gentlemen, welcome back to Reddit Readings, episode 100. Can you believe that we have made it this far? Episode 100, guys. It's our special anniversary episode. Remember the date. Don't forget because your wife will kill you. That is episode 100. Can you believe it? We got this far and we're only just getting started. Episode 100 and the show is just starting to kick off. We have a very special episode for you this week, guys. Not only is it longer, it's going to be like double the length, I think. I don't know. There's a whole list of stories. But we are covering stories that were submitted by you, beautiful, dear, dear, but beautiful listeners, submitted on our Discord. Don't forget, if this isn't enough for you, if we've got you hooked, gave you a little bit for free, and you've got to get more, you've got the itch, you can jump on our Patreon for that extra juicy special secret episode that is only available to our patrons, as well as adverts free. Everyone hates adverts. Go check it out. But let's dive in. Let's get going. Let's do it. Grab your tea and your popcorn and make sure it's a double portion and let's go! Now streaming only on Disney Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record breaking Eras Tour. Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick, so I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Suggested by Turgle and posted to Tales from the Front Desk by Fernshank. Woman complains about her room, not realizing that her husband cheaped out. One day in January, I had a phone call. A man wanting to book a room for June. Quite far in advance. However, he wants to book for a Saturday night when there's an event in town. So we only had two rooms left. The cheapest room in the hotel? Room 8. It's a tiny room with only a small double bed and only a bathtub, no shower. £80 per night. The most expensive room in the hotel? Room 7. It's a very spacious room with a king-size bed, a shower, and a jacuzzi-style tub. £120 per night. So I told Mr. Man that we only had two rooms left. We have room 8 available, which is £80 per night, or room 7, which is £120 per night. Oh, well, I I think we'd better have room 8. Okay, but just to let you know, the reason room 8 is cheaper is because it's quite small. The bed's only a small double, and there's only a bath, no shower. Is that alright with you? Uh, yes, yes, yes. Um, that'll have to do. I'm not paying £120 a night. That's extortionate. So I booked him and his wife for room eight. Months later, I'd completely forgotten about all of this. I'm working the afternoon shift one day when a man and his wife check in to room eight. About ten minutes after I'd checked them in, they storm downstairs to the front desk and don't look happy at all. 
The wife starts going off on me about how the room is tiny and the bed is tiny and it's not even a shower. This is ridiculous. It's not what she expected at all. The man is nodding along fervently behind her, saying that this is unacceptable. He wants a better room for his lovely wife. She deserves better than this, etc., etc. I'm so sorry you're unsatisfied. Did you book over the phone? Yes. Okay, um, I'm not sure who booked you in, but all of our staff know when they book a guest into room 8. They have to explain that it's a small room with only a bath. Did they not explain that to you? No, they didn't. I asked for a superior room, only the best for my wife, not this pathetic little room. I can't believe you put us in here. It's not acceptable. We deserve a discount, yada, 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 yada. Unfortunately, by this point, all the other rooms were fully booked, so they had no choice but to stay in room eight. They opted to stay because all the other hotels in town were full, but they were both fuming at me. They went back up to their rooms and I went back into the office and went onto the booking system. I looked at the booking and found the note that I'd made months ago. That's when it all came flooding back to me. When they came down for dinner, I had the pleasure of serving them at the bar. They still didn't look too happy. Oh, I had a look through our records. Um, it was me that booked you in back in January. Oh, did you? Yeah, I just found a note I made on your booking. At the time, I offered you the basic room, sir, or our luxury room, because there were only two available. Do you remember that, sir? I explained to you that room 8 was quite small and had no shower, whereas room 7 was spacious with a king-sized bed, a shower, and a jacuzzi bath. But you specifically chose the basic room over our luxury room. You said you weren't willing to pay the extra £40. You called it extortionate i believe sir do you remember now him and his wife are both silent but the wife is staring daggers at her husband she is truly looking murderous clearly the man has been slagging me off to his wife claiming that he asked for a luxury room when really he cheaped out on purpose I leave the bar to go do something else after serving them, and I can hear her chewing him out all the way from the office. When I return to serve them their food, she was as sweet as pie to me and apologetic. He didn't say another word to me for their entire visit. He was definitely in the doghouse. Justice. Edit. To all the people insinuating I'm a horrible person for... Ruining this guest's experience by not letting him walk all over me, kindly sit and swivel. I'm a human, not a doormat. He messed up on his own by lying to his wife and blaming me. Suggested by Spider Lily and posted by Raoul9753 on r slash let's not meet. My LARP chainmail saved my life. So this story happened just a few years back when I was visiting an old friend in Cologne, while at the same time taking advantage of him as a free stay for a meeting with my LARP group. For those that don't know what LARP is, it's basically real-life role-playing. Imagine a D&D game, but instead of people sitting around a table with dice, 
you have people actually dressed up as their characters actually role-playing in real life. LARPing was my hobby since I was 14, and after I got a job that paid pretty well, I started to go a little bit more all-out when it came to stuff for my hobby. One of those things I spent a solid amount of money on was my character's armor. Important for this story, the chainmail I wear under my outer armor. After the meeting of my group, I mostly got out of my LARP outfit because, you know, I really didn't want to walk through Clone Mulheim, which is one of the more dangerous places in the city, dressed as a medieval knight. But seeing as I couldn't fit it all in my backpack, I kept the chainmail on as well as my tunic and pants. On the bus ride home, I noticed some guys seemed to have an eye on me. But I guess it was because, you know, I still looked really out of place. When he got off at the same station as me, I didn't really pay much attention. I was almost at my friend's place and decided to call him, asking if we should meet and get a donner, which he agreed to before I even ended my question. I arrived at our meeting spot and waited. Then I noticed the guy from the bus again, who now walked straight towards me. I got closer to the wall to make space, but he didn't pass me. He stopped before me and pulled a knife on me, demanding my bag, wallet, and phone. I was willing to give him my wallet, but I tried to explain that the bag only had some armor and foam weapons. But it seems that even just talking was enough to set this guy off, and suddenly I felt two fast, stinging punches in my stomach. It hurt like hell, and I dropped down, and the guy grabbed my bag. Honestly, the next things are not really in my mind. I was barely able to notice anything, other than the voice in my head screaming, You got stabbed! So the next thing I noticed was my friend shaking me. My bag was open and my stuff was all over the place, and he was holding my helmet with blood on it. As he said, he saw the guy throwing my stuff around after the bag was most likely too heavy for him to heave off, so my friend, seeing me on the floor, managed to grab the first thing he could, which was the helmet, and just bashed the guy over the head with it until he ran away. We later checked my stomach, and even though I had two giant deep blue bruises which hurt like hell, I only had small cuts since the chainmail stopped the knife. Until this day I get sick to my stomach when I think back to that day and remember that if I'd not worn that piece of my LARP clothing that day, I would be dead. Literally killed over a bag full of costumes, 150 bucks in my wallet and a 10 year old phone. This world is fucked up. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Suggested by Nick or and posted by Tileplans26 to r slash tales from retail. Customer thinks unsafe weather is okay for us to drive in, but not for the customer. I was told this today. I was off the day it happened. I work as a delivery driver for a building supply store. A customer who lives roughly 20 minutes away from the store ordered a bunch of materials he needed delivered on a certain day. 
But the day of the delivery, a terrible snowstorm came in. It was really bad. Where I live, I couldn't even see 60 feet at times. So the workers in the store called the customer to inform him of the situation, and due to the weather and roads starting to close, they'll be unable to deliver that day. The customer was apparently really mad, saying, Well, I was needing to do this job today. The worker talking to him apologized, saying that due to the weather and road closures occurring, it's unsafe for the delivery driver to make the drive to the delivery. The customer replied, Well, none of the roads are closed around me, so you guys could still make it. My co-worker replied back, We aren't risking the safety of our driver or risking anything just for you to get a bunch of materials. If you need it that bad, you're more than welcome to come here and get it. The customer then replied, I'm not driving out to you guys in this weather. Needless to say, my co-worker doubled down and refused to do any delivery to him in this bad weather. So he'd have to wait until the weather improves. He demanded that it be delivered as soon as the weather was decent. A few days later, after the weather was better, the worker called the customer to give an update. And got his wife. Her attitude was a thousand times better. She said, Oh, no rush. The job isn't being done until the weekend, so take your time. All I know is if I was the one talking to this guy... I would have thrown his comment back at him about not wanting to drive out to us to get his materials. Suggested by Rava Dapper Today I fucked up by not using my vacuum correctly for years. Something that happened to me today, about 30 minutes ago actually, that you might find funny. I recently moved out of an apartment I'd been living in for the past six years. We also have multiple cats. So for these six years, I thought the expensive pet hair eraser brand vacuum we have didn't work and was just bad. But it's what I've got to clean the bedroom carpets at the old apartment, so... Gotta figure it out. Money had always been too tight to buy a new one. The carpets haven't been properly vacuumed in a long time. Because, again... I thought the vacuum didn't work, so it wouldn't accomplish anything. So eventually I just stopped trying. But now I need to make them look presentable as part of my exit agreement on the rental contract. So I'm using it. It's not working, as usual. Doesn't pick up anything unless I use the hose. But it's clearly on and making the noises you'd expect from a vacuum, so I'm like, well, okay. This is awful, but I know it'll technically work. So I spend hours upon hours these past few days manually vacuuming every square inch of the carpets with the hose, on my knees, bent over, etc. Right after I finish and dump the last load, I notice there's a second switch on the thing next to the power one, kind of hidden behind the hose switch controls if the bottom part sucks or not and it's been off this entire time for years so all this time i've basically been pushing an inert vacuum over the floor thinking it was busted but it just wasn't on it still made noise and sounded on because the hose part was functioning so it tricked me out of curiosity i redid both carpets with it working like it was intended and it took like 10 minutes. Works great now.
So this one was posted by Laser Snake, and it was posted to Nuclear Revenge by user ad 4905. Ex and boyfriend hurt my daughter, tarnished my friend's reputation, and I seek revenge. To start off, this is a throwaway as I don't want it to tie back to me. Also, buckle up. This is going to be a long ride. These events took place over several years. I hope it was worth the read. I'm going to begin with the main players. Me, my ex-wife, Pepper, revenge target number one. Her boyfriend, Steve, revenge target number two. The boyfriend's ex-wife, Maria, co-partner in the revenge. My daughter, Sarah, and my friend, Jason, accomplice in the revenge. With that said, let's get some backstory out of the way. So, Pepper and I had a very up-and-down marriage. It was one of those that I was madly in love with her, but looking back, I think she was in it more for the money and convenience. She had one son, we will call Drug, because he was and still is a major drug addict. Before we got married, I also had one son, name is unimportant, that I had full custody of. While married, we had Sarah. I toughed the marriage out for as long as I could, but eventually, we just couldn't keep it together. We separated, and due to traveling some for work and having custody of my son, I moved back to my hometown a few states away so my parents could help, but kept an apartment in the town that Pepper and Sarah lived in so I could still spend as much time with my daughter as I could. At this time, I asked my best friend Jason, who's a lawyer and owns his own firm, to do up a child support agreement for us. It is very important to note that we only address child support. It had nothing about custody or visitation or anything else in it. So for about a year, this was how it would work. I would spend a month with Sarah while my parents watched my other son, then I would spend a month with my son. Almost exactly a year later, I could no longer afford keeping two households, and Pepper was wanting to move back to her hometown, which was in a different state but closer to where I lived. So I gave up the apartment, and she moved. The new situation continued for a couple more years. Pepper and I remained friendly and even tried to reconcile the relationship a couple of times, but it just wouldn't work out. I was still deeply in love with her, but we couldn't come to an agreement on things like where to live and such. I forced myself to try and move on and started dating. She'd been dating basically from the day after I moved out. Even though I still loved her, our relationship moved more into good friends than husband and wife. So she finally meets Steve. I was never told much about Steve other than he was a certified ethical hacker and that is what he did for his employment. Important later. While they were dating, she would send me texts about their dates. She even texted me the day they first had sex together. This hurt deeply, and looking back, I think that's what she wanted. But I tried to play the part of a good friend and confidant. Steve and Pepper had been dating for six months when out of the blue she tells me they broke up, and she realized that she's madly in love with me. 
Since it's the beginning of summer, she packs some suitcases and heads to my state. They were going to spend summer with me and see if they like it or not. We had an amazing summer. All the kids were getting along. Drug even loved it here. So she makes it official. We are back together. And they're moving in. We went and registered my daughter for school. We were even able to get her on a peewee cheerleader team for the summer. She made several friends and was loving being here. There was only one problem. Pepper still had an apartment that had all her furniture and stuff in it. I offered to go up in my truck and help load everything, but she insisted that her and Drug can get it done. So off they go to pack up and head to their new home. As you can guess, things didn't go as planned. She was home for about three days when she informs me that under no circumstance will she move and that her and Steve are in love and are moving in with each other. To say I was destroyed was an understatement. I couldn't understand why she had done it. The worst part was that she left it to me to tell Sarah the bad news. When I told her, the devastated look on her face started turning my feelings of hurt into feelings of anger. Then Sarah broke down and started begging to stay with me and started spilling the beans. She told me things about how her mum would leave with Steve for days and leave Drug in charge. She had to learn how to cook for herself at eight because Drug would spend the money on, well, drugs and spend the whole time high. If Drug wasn't left in charge, Pepper would use her multiply convicted felon niece to watch her. She also told me about the first time that she had met Steve. He came to their house, basically said hello, and him and her mum disappeared into the bedroom and started having loud sex. Sarah was outside the door bawling, and they just ignored her and continued. This is how my eight-year-old learned of sex, and she is still in counselling, trying to recover seven years later. At this point, my anger turned to rage. I immediately notified Pepper that there was no way Sarah was coming back and that I would fight her to the death to keep her out of that situation. Pepper responded by getting an emergency hearing in her state to force Sarah back. I had to scramble, but I managed to get a lawyer and easily won the hearing, which Pepper showed up late for and told the judge it was due to a disability. The judge agreed that since there was no custody agreement with the troubling accusation that I had gathered, it was best for now for Sarah to stay with me. I had won the first battle, but it was short-lived. Within an hour of the hearing, I started getting tons of phishing emails and texts. I was also getting password resets and MFA codes from my bank, Facebook, Reddit, and any other accounts. I knew that Steve was behind it. The very next day, Jason calls. His law firm's website, email, and phone account had been hacked. Because he had to disclose the hack to the court, and because he was working on a semi-high-profile case at the time, the FBI got involved. To say I was enraged was an understatement. These two people had destroyed me, harmed my daughter, and tarnished the reputation of my lifelong friend. It was time for them to pay and pay dearly. I was a man on a mission. I spent hours digging up as much dirt as I could on Steve and Pepper. 
I had a lot of luck with Pepper. I found social media posts of her out late drinking and correlated to tardiness and missed days of school for Sarah. I found tons of pics of her and two strange kids doing fun activities. I found neighbors that were willing to testify that Sarah had come to beg for food because she was left with either drug or the felon. I knew I could bury her. Steve, on the other hand, had all his accounts locked down. I couldn't find any dirt and it was driving me crazy. Then it hit me. Try LinkedIn. It paid off. There wasn't much posted, but through his account I found Maria, his ex-wife's account. I reached out to her and she happily accepted. Maria and I became fast friends. She hated Pepper, for good reason, as they had both abandoned her kids like my daughter and didn't want her around her kids. I learned so much. To keep it short, Maria and Steve had recently divorced. As part of the custody agreement, Steve got the house, car, bank account, savings, and a lower-than-usual child support. Maria had traded all that money to have control of the kids. She knew he was a scumbag, and all she was concerned about was keeping her kids safe. They had a very detailed custody agreement with rules for Steve to follow. As part of that agreement, if Steve broke any rules, he had to pay, and pay dearly. He had to sell the house and give her half of everything. His child support would also double, and Steve would be financially ruined. Steve also didn't have her blocked on the social media and would regularly send texts bragging about how great his life was without her. Many of those texts had pictures of Pepper in them. We compared notes. We swapped evidence. We came up with a plan. And now it's time for revenge. First, I got with Jason. He let the FBI investigators know that I had also had some hacking attempts and we believe it was the same person. The investigator called quick. I gave him the information I had and who I believed was doing it and he asked a weird question. Do I know where Steve worked? Well, yes, I did, thanks to Maria. So apparently Steve wasn't as good as a hacker as he thought himself to be. They had already traced back the hack on Jason to a business. The very same business Steve worked for. As soon as my conversation with the FBI was done, I called his work to lodge a complaint. I told the manager that someone was trying to hack me and I was sure it was Steve. They, of course, did not take it seriously because I had no proof. What they didn't know was they were soon going to be getting a visit from a special agent. The next week was absolute hell for Steve and Pepper. Pepper got served with the divorce papers and her lawyer got served with all the evidence I had gathered. My lawyer said it was the most complete investigation he had ever seen. I had all 40 tardiness and 19 absences tied to nights out drinking with Steve. I had proof of them abandoning my daughter for days at a time. Maria even gave me a picture that was taken at 2am the night before the emergency hearing with Steve and Pepper drinking in a tattoo parlour. The same hearing she was late to and said it was due to a disability. Steve got served that he had violated the entire custody agreement. Maria had pictures from me proving he was with Pepper on nights the kids were with him, and they were left alone. 
She also had proof that there was contact with Pepper that violated the custody agreement. The fallout was awesome to watch. Steve was fired between my complaint, another older complaint of him hacking, and the FBI showing up. They had no choice but to fire him. He did avoid any legal issues as the FBI could never tie it directly to him. The word spread of why he was fired and no one would hire him in an IT job again. He had to sell the house, liquidate all the investments and bank accounts and give half of it to Maria. His child support got to stay the same since he no longer had a source of income. Last I heard, he was working at a grocery store. So in total, his income went from 20000 a year to less than 40000 As for Pepper, the divorce was swift and painful for her. The judge ruled in my favor for all counts. I got sole custody and sole decision-making. She was forced to go to counseling and her and drug can only visit Sarah with a third-party supervisor paid for by Pepper. Sarah is doing much better. She still needs counseling, but she thrives in school and has many friends. She very rarely sees her mum, but she is much better off without her. One of the top comments here is, I don't even see this as revenge, I see it as straight up goddamn good father protecting the shit out of his kids the way it should be. Do you enjoy science, spooky stories, and all things paranormal? We do too. While we would love for most paranormal stories to be true, we are here to tell you that they probably aren't. But that doesn't make them any less fun to speculate about. We are the Spooky Science Sisters podcast. In this podcast, we bring you bi-weekly discussions on possible scientific explanations behind the supernatural. Backed up by research articles and other credible sources, we do deep dives into things like archaeology and physics and share in-depth discussions with topic experts. Visit us at SpookySciencesisters.com to listen to a couple of skeptics debunk some of your favorite alien encounters, cryptid sightings, and ghost stories with science, sass, and a significant amount of laughter. Thank you, and stay spooky. Story suggested by Nickel and posted to r slash nuclear revenge by just some asshole. A homophobe insulted my daughter. I may have ended his marriage. So my daughter, 15, has been friends with a girl who lives opposite for years now, and in the past there have been sleepovers at both of our houses. Adults always stopped and chatted when we saw each other, etc. Last year, my daughter came out as a lesbian, and a short while later we noticed that our friends across the road never seemed to want to chat anymore. Recently, my daughter told me her family had messaged her to say that she wasn't allowed around our house anymore. Yesterday, I saw them on the road, and I decided I was going to have a friendly chat and see if we could resolve the issue. It, uh didn't stay friendly very long. Dickhead Dad was acting oddly agitated when I brought it up and ended up saying, I'm not letting your fucking queer daughter try to do stuff to... Redacted. Just because you raised a freak doesn't mean we have to like it. Side note for anyone who doesn't know, although the term queer has been somewhat reclaimed by the LGBTQ plus community in recent years, It has a long history of being used as a homophobic slur, and Dickhead Dad definitely wasn't using it as an ally. Now for the next part, it's important to know four things. 1. Dickhead Dad has been working from home since the pandemic started. 
Two, his wife hasn't and works each day. Three, I've been working from home due to injury for a few weeks now. And four, I've seen the woman who visits for a few hours a couple of times a week. I've seen him smack her ass as she leaves. I stay nice and calm. I take a breath and then I press the big red fucking button. I calmly explained to Dickhead Dad that just because my daughter is gay doesn't mean that she would be trying to make a move on a friend. After all, I say, men and women can be friends without being sexual. Just like you and the blonde girl who keeps coming round. He got pretty mad and called me some amazing names as his wife stomped back to their house. I'm guessing things got pretty bad as he left the house less than an hour later with a suitcase and a big gym bag and drove off, tires screeching. I do feel sorry for the daughter, if I'm honest, and if only for her, I did wish afterwards I'd kept my mouth shut. Not sorry for him, though. Suggested by Rather Dapper, and submitted to Let's Not Meet by Zelost Concubine? Stalker from the Dark. I was reminded of him just last week. After almost five years of not hearing from him, I saw him again last week. I'll try my best to summarize this nightmare. Some things to note which are important to the story. One, it happened in 2017, and during that time we went a whole year without having neighbors on either side. So basically we cramped between two empty houses. Two, the streetlight in our lots had broken, and despite multiple reports to the council to fix it, nobody did. One evening, my family went out for groceries. I was left home alone. The gate was still wide open when they left because the water pipe was located outside. I used it all the time because back then, I had rabbits, so I used it to fill their water bottles. That day was no different. The sun was already setting by the time I went out to fill the bowls, feed the rabbits, and then lock the gate. It was literally five minutes after I locked the gate that someone was outside. Since the sun was already low on the horizon and with the streetlight broken, I can barely see his face. He was outside with a van shouting for my attention. He said something about his company sending him over to do some property surveillance. It was suspicious, all right. So I ignored him and went inside. Later on, when the night got dark, my family still hadn't returned. I was inside watching Chicken Little when I heard some commotion outside. I didn't directly look at it, but I stole some glances and saw someone outside, like literally in front of my gate. He was shouting for my attention again, and guess who it was? Yep, the guy from before. I recognized his voice and again paid him no attention. After a seemingly long few minutes, it got quiet outside. I took another peek out and holy shit! He was attempting to climb into my house. I was so shocked that I couldn't move, but luckily, that time we had a dog named Buck, who passed away not long after, bless his soul. He was probably napping in one of the hiding spots and sensed some presence. As soon as the guy saw Buck coming at him, he stopped climbing and rode away on his bike. No more van. That was that. 
But ever since, I kept seeing him still. How do I know it's him when I can't even see his face in the first place? Well, because after that particular incident, every now and then, there was always someone hanging literally outside our gate with his bike. He was always making some weird sound too, like when you purse and smack your lips. And every time I reported it to my dad, the guy would always ride away as soon as he saw my dad checking. One time I was at the backyard collecting my laundry. If you stand on the left side of my gate, but facing in, you can see the area in our backyard where we wash and dry out laundry. And he was standing right there, making those weird sounds again, which drew my attention. I yelled for my dad, and once again, he saw my dad, and he booked it out of there. This had been going on for almost a month. While he hadn't actually posed a threat, it was enough for me to feel uncomfortable and unsafe to even want to go out at night by myself. Oh, but it got worse. My room is on the outer side of the house, so I basically have a window that faces the front of the house. My room is on the outer side of the house, so I basically have a window that faces the front of my house. But my room is situated on the right side of the house, if you're looking at the house, so my direct view is the overgrown bushes covering the fence. If I peek my head out of the window and look to the right, I can clearly see the gate. One night I was in my room doing some work on my desk. The window was to my left and I left it open as I always liked the night breeze. I don't remember how long I was working for, but then all of a sudden I felt this dread washing over me. It's like I wasn't safe in the comfort of my room anymore, like I was being watched. I looked out of the window and tried to see in the dark. And there he was. I knew it was him. Somehow he managed to squeeze in between the bushes and was hanging onto the fence. He saw me. I can feel him smiling at me. And then he made those awful lip-smacking noises again. Nope, I booked it the fuck out of there like lightning. Again, I reported it to my dad, and again he rode out of there before we can catch him in the act. Sometimes my dad and sister thought I was imagining stuff, because when they kept their eye outside, they saw nothing. But I was the one who saw him every time. But I know for a fact that it's real. He's real. And it's the same person every time. This continued for another month, or two months in total. He'd come and taunt me with his lips smacking and rode away before my dad or sister can get a good look at him. And then one day he just stopped coming. And I haven't seen and heard his stupid lips smacking sound anymore. That is until last week. I was home alone again. My sister was caught up at work and my dad left to pick up my brother from his workplace. I was in the living room watching the TV when I heard that awfully familiar lip-smacking sound. At this point, our street light is still broken. We've installed some fence lights, but this bastard hid in the dark where the light was too faint to reach. He was out there with his bike again. Only this time, I heard him giggle. I've never heard him giggle before. And no, this isn't the cute kind of giggle. It sounded malicious. I tried my hardest to ignore him, to not pay him any attention. But he was still out there making all kinds of noises. Over a year ago, we got a new dog, Gibbs. He was a rescued stray. He must have heard him too. 
As soon as the guy saw Gibbs coming at him, he rode away again. That was last week. Five years ago, he terrified me to the point where I was so afraid of being outside on my own at night, even if it were just to pick up laundry. Sometimes, at night, I can't even sleep without checking every corner of the house just to make sure he's not there. And for a short period, I slept with the lights on. And even though he didn't exactly do anything physically threatening, him playing psycho tricks over a long period on me is enough to make me feel unsafe in my own house. Just when he was finally out of my head, he came back. Worse still, I've never even seen his face. But I think he has seen mine. I hope I won't ever see his face. His presence alone is malicious enough as it is. Stalker from the dark, please, please, let's not meet ever again. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed that. What an episode that was. Congratulations to everyone for following us along until episode 100. If you've only just joined us, shh, don't worry, we'll pretend. Don't forget, check out our Patreon if you want to get your hands on those juicy bonus episodes. And until next time, guys, take care of yourselves. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there.